Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Force. Join us now for a service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. So here's what I want to talk to you about tonight. I want to talk to you about what to do when you face spiritual resistance because we're talking about spiritual warfare. Now, there are four areas that I want to talk about tonight. One of, the, one of the areas, the beginning area that I want to talk to you about is found in Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 21. And this is kind of a general statement, and you're going to hear it a lot from people that talk about when you pray, you don't receive what you need from the Lord and all that kind of stuff. A lot of people are going to tell you it's because of a lack of faith. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, sometimes that's the truth, and sometimes it's just because God doesn't want you to have it. Okay. And some people say, well, God didn't, I just prayed and prayed and prayed and God never answered my prayer. He did. He just said no. So he answered you. He just said no. You, you wanted him to answer it the way you wanted him to answer it. And he didn't answer it the way you wanted him to answer it, but he did answer it. He just said no. Matthew chapter 17, 14 through 21 says this, and this is in the King James. I've got two scriptures in the King James, and then there's a couple of them amplified tonight. When they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic. And he sore vexed, for oftentimes he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you, and how long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me, or bring him to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Now there are several things that's going on in these seven verses right here, but and just, just let me touch a few of them, okay? Number one, I think it's important when we are in the, in, in the activity of spiritual warfare, I think it's important for us to have our discernment at work. We have to discern. Not everything that comes on people is from the devil. Sometimes people get sick because they've had too many cheeseburgers. Sometimes we do it to ourselves, okay? However, with that said, we can go too far that direction. We need to understand that there are a lot of things that people do face that is a spiritual battle. So the disciples were praying for this young man and they were praying for him and they were praying that he would be healed and nothing happened. And, and here's what was going on here. When the man came to Jesus and he said, hey, look, this is my son. He's a lunatic. He's sore vexed. He throws himself into the fire and all of these kinds of things. Notice Jesus never prayed for him to be healed in this passage of Scripture. Jesus did not pray for him to be, be healed. Here's what Jesus did. Jesus rebuked the devil. He went straight to the source. So Jesus had discerned that this was not a physical condition. This was a spiritual condition. 
Now, that, now, now sometimes there are things, you know, chemical, chemical imbalances, you know, and different things like that where it is physical. But we have to have enough of God in us, and we have to have enough of spiritual discernment in us to be able to discern whether this is medical or spiritual. So when we're doing spiritual warfare, when we're fighting against the work of the enemy, and we face resistance, one of the first things that we need to do is become extremely spiritually aware of what's going on in the spiritual world around us, in the atmosphere that is around us. The disciples prayed that he would be cured. They tried to cure him. Jesus didn't try to cure him. He just rebuked the devil. And when the devil got off him, then the health that was already in him surfaced. Does that make sense? You all understanding this? Okay. And so then they come to Jesus and they say, uh, why couldn't we cast him out? And here was Jesus' answer. He said, because of your unbelief, for I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Why did Jesus say you have to have faith as the grain of a mustard seed? Because it's almost impossible to kill a mustard seed. You take a little itsy-bitsy tiny mustard seed that you can barely see with the naked eye, you put it in the ground in the right soil, and it's going to grow a tree. And they knew that because that was the area that they were in, the agricultural area where they were in. And so Jesus took something out of their lives, and he said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, it doesn't matter if that seed's been laid up for 10 years on a shelf somewhere, you know that's a mustard seed. It's not another kind of, that's a mustard seed. If I take that mustard seed and put it in the ground here and put a little water on it, it's going to grow a tree. And so they knew that if they put that mustard seed in the ground, it would grow a tree. And Jesus was saying, if you have this kind of faith, then you can even say to mountains, be removed and, and be cast into the sea and they shall be so. Of course, that is... Uh, speaking of mountains of sickness and mountains of depression and mountain de mountains in our lives. And then he goes on and he says, uh, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. And then in verse number 21, here's what he said. He said, this kind, this kind. Now notice what he said. Look at the verbiage here. How be it this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. So Jesus is still not talking about a healing. He's talking about a deliverance. He said, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. There are some things that we will face when we do spiritual warfare in our lives that the only way that we can gain the victory is through a more intense approach. And that more intense approach is fasting and prayer. There are some people who have problems with their kids. You say, well, I bring them to church. I try to teach them the word. You know what? You might need to do some fasting and some prayer, some specific, pointed, targeted fasting and prayer for God to break through. So we have to become, and this is the point that I want to make, we have to become very discerning. Jesus discerned that he didn't need a cure, he needed a deliverance. He also discerned that the disciples were not operating at a level of faith to be able to produce that deliverance. And so he took the opportunity to use it as a teaching moment, not only for the father and the child, but also for his disciples. So spiritual resistance sometimes can be overcome through discernment.
The second thing that I want to talk to you about tonight when we talk about spiritual discernment is, uh, or spiritual resistance is many times people don't have the victory or they don't experience the victory because they're in the wrong kind of atmosphere. There has to be an atmosphere that is conducive to victory, and that atmosphere is an atmosphere of faith. So you have to ask yourself, am I with a group of people where we can call ourselves a community of faith, or am I with a group of people where we're, we're just a community of doubt and unbelief? You know, it's, um, and, and, you know, God can always trump unbelief, and God can always trump doubt and, and all of that, but, but the more people that you have around you that don't really believe in miracles or don't really believe in the move of God, the more difficult it's going to be for God to move. And you say, well, how come? Well, it's not because God's any less powerful. He just has to work through a whole bunch more junk in order to make it happen. So you've got to surround yourself with the right kind of people who actually believe that God will do what He said in His Word. If you want to, with spiritual uh, warfare, if you want to be able to resist the enemy, then you have to get around the right kind of people. People that believe in the power of God. People that believe in spiritual authority. People that believe that miracles are still for today and that deliverance is still for today. You have to get around those kind of people. Let's look at the Scripture in Mark chapter 6. Verses 1 through 6, here's what the Bible says. Jesus went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples followed him. Now notice the Bible said that he came into his own country. So he went home. It's pretty nice to go home every now and then, isn't it? He went home. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things, and what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Now look at verse number 3. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended. At him, What they were saying was, we grew up with this guy. Now look, he's standing up here in his home church, in this local assembly, in the synagogue. He's standing up here and has the audacity to teach like he has authority. Isn't this just the carpenter's son? Isn't it the carpenter's son? And the Bible says right here that Jesus even had sisters. He had brothers and he had sisters. So he came from a good family there. And the Bible said, but Jesus said unto them, now look at what he said unto them, a prophet is not without honor except that he's in his own country. So in other words, I can be honored just about anywhere that I go, but right here in my own country, it's very difficult for people to see me because they make their decisions about me based on what they've seen, not on what is. And that's why sometimes when God takes somebody and they give their life to the Lord and they grow up in a home church and, and, they're, and, they're, and when I say grow up, I'm talking about spiritually grow up. When they spiritually grow up in the home church, when it comes time for God to call them into ministry, it becomes necessary for God to move them to the next county or to the next state or in some instances even a different country. I can go home to Michigan around my family. And I love my family dearly, but I'm just Johnny to them. I'm just Johnny. I'm Uncle Johnny. I'm Son Johnny. 
I'm Brother Johnny, and I love them, and I love them dearly. Now, they respect me. I've been away from them for a really long time. They see what the Lord has done in our life. They, they've seen the years of ministerial uh, success and all of that and all of the churches and whatnot that we have planted and, and worked in, the people that we want, and they see all of that, and they're thankful for it and everything. But when I go home, I'm just Johnny. This is what was happening with Jesus. He went home, and he was just Jesus. That sounds weird, doesn't it? But it's true. He went home and he was just the carpenter. He was just the carpenter. And so, so Jesus is telling them, he said, you know, a prophet's not without honor except in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. Now look at the results of that, number five. And he could there do no mighty work save that he laid hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief and he went round about the villages teaching. It hindered even the Son of God. The atmosphere of familiarity, the atmosphere of unbelief. Listen, just because it's familiar doesn't mean it's right. And so sometimes, sometimes God takes us and he says, you know, and you wonder, God, why did you move me to Florida? Well, the reason is because he had to get you somewhere where he could pour his power through you where there would be receptive ears and receptive hearts. Some people are one good move away from God using them. So Jesus, even Jesus, he had this problem. In fact, there was one place in the Scripture where the Bible said that he prayed for a man that, had, uh, that was blind, and the Bible said, and it was an area where Jesus was from, and the Bible said, I see men as trees walking. You know what Jesus did? Because he wasn't completely healed. You know what Jesus did? He took him outside of the wall of the city and prayed for him again, and he was healed. You read it. It's in the, it's in the, in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Read it. Find it there. Read it. What did he have to do? He had to get them out of the atmosphere of unbelief. Now, you have to have an atmosphere of faith. If, if we're going to push back, sometimes we are resisted by the enemy because we're in the wrong atmosphere. If we're going to push back against the enemy and actually overcome, then what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to shift this. We're going to have to start respecting divine order. We're going to have to start respecting the structure that God has laid down in His Word for the work of God. We're going to have to start doing that. And when we start respecting that structure and all of us fall into our place in that structure and then all of us at the feet of Jesus worship Him, then His power can begin to flow through again. And we've got to start actually expecting when we pray for someone to get their miracle, we have to start expecting them to actually get healed. Amen. To actually get healed. All right. Now, the third thing that can bring spiritual resistance into our life, talking about spiritual warfare, the third thing that can bring spiritual resistance or that can stop God from doing what He needs to do. So we've talked about the lack of faith and unbelief and how that we need to be discerning. We talked about being in the right atmosphere. The third thing I want to talk to you about, and this will stop the Spirit of God from moving every single time. Here's what it is. It's active sin. Active sin. Active sin in our lives, whether it's blatant sin, whether it's secret sin. Let's define sin. Sin is a willful transgression against the law of God. That means the Bible says that he that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. 
Sin is a willful transgression against the law of God. When we know that God's word tells us that we are supposed to conduct ourselves in a certain way and we refuse to do it, then we are sinning. We are willfully transgressing against the law of God. So, you know, the enemy's going to, and the point that I'm trying to make here is the enemy's going to whisper in your ear and he's going to tell you, don't, don't, uh, don't, don't do this. You, you, you know, you don't want to offend them. You don't want to hurt them. You guys know better than that. You know I'm going to shoot it straight every time I get up here in the pulpit, don't you? You know why? Because I love you too much to be standing before God with you one day and God look at you and say, depart from me, you that work iniquity, I never knew you, and then have you turn and look at me and say, Pastor, how come you didn't tell me the truth? That's not going to happen. I love you enough to try to get you to heaven. Okay? Active sin will stop you from experiencing the blessing of God and the favor of God in your life. Active sin will. Galatians chapter 4 verses 8 through 11 says this, but at that previous time, this is the Amplified, but at that previous time when you had not come to be acquainted with and understand and know the true God, you Gentiles were in bondage to gods who by their very nature could not be gods at all because they didn't really exist. Now, however, that you have come to be acquainted with and understand and know the true God, or rather to be understood and known by God, this true God, how can you turn back again to the weak and beggarly and worthless elementary things of all religions before Christ came, whose slaves you once more want to become? He said, you choose, you observe particular days of and months and seasons and years. And he said, I'm alarmed. This is Paul writing to the Galatian church. He said, I'm alarmed about you, lest I have labored among you and over you to no purpose and in vain. So what he was saying, he was saying, you didn't know God. You didn't know anything about God. You came into the revelation of who God was. You started studying the Word of God. You started learning how to live for God. You started learning how to be a disciple or a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. You did that. All of a sudden, you run into a few things that you want, don't want to embrace. So now what you're going to do is you're going to take that one true God that you actually had an experience with, and you're going to set them over on the side and say, this just isn't the life for me, and you're going to go back to worshiping something that's not even real. Active sin. That's what active sin does. It messes up your mind. It makes, it, it makes us, it, it confuses us. It, it makes us try to make excuses for what we want to do. You can make the Bible say anything that you want it to say. All right? You can make it say anything that you want to say. And when you're done twisting things around, when you're done twisting it around, it still says what it says. God said that the grass will wither and the flower will fade, but my word will stand forever. And so uh, you can call it revelation if you want to, but if the word of God says that we're not supposed to do something, then we're not supposed to do it, right? And so what we have to do is we have to say, you know what? Uh, there are times I'm going to have to fight the enemy. There are times I'm going to have to fight the devil. And I, I want to live an overcoming life. And so I'm just going to have to say, you know what? If the Bible says that it's sin, if the Bible says it's a work of the flesh, if the Bible says I'm not supposed to do that, if the, and, and if the Bible says it's contrary to a life of holiness, then you know what? I'm not going to do that because I love God too much. 
I love God too much to let my flesh win every time. Now look at John chapter 8. We're still talking about a, uh, active sin or blatant and secret sin, how that, that can create a spiritual resistance in our life. In John chapter 8, verses 31 through 38, here's what the Bible says. In the Amplified, Jesus said to those Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, hold fast to my teachings, and live in accordance with them, you are truly my disciples. And you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We're Abraham's offspring, we're his descendants, and we have never been in bondage to anybody. What do you mean by saying you will be set free? Jesus answered them, I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, whoever commits and practices sin is the slave of sin. This is what Jesus was saying. So he was saying, you can say you're not in bondage all day long, but if you are practicing sin, you are the slave of sin. In verse number 35, he goes on to explain the pros and the cons of that. He says, now a slave doesn't remain in the household permanently and forever, but a son will remain there forever. So here's what we have. Here's what we've got to do. We've got to say, okay, is this sin worth me being a slave or would I rather be a son? So the choice you know, God's not going to force us to do anything that we don't want to do, is He? He's not going to force us to live for Him. You know, I can sit here, I can stand up here on Sundays, and I can stand up here Wednesdays when I'm teaching like this, or Sundays when I'm kind of preaching a little bit more. I can stand up here, and I can try and try and try and persuade you to live for God. But if it's in your heart to sin, then you are a slave to that sin and you are not a son of God. And the only thing that can change that is the Holy Spirit drawing you to the heart of God, forgiving you of your sin, you realizing that you need Him, making a decision to follow Him as your Lord and Savior, and you have to make the choice whether you're going to be a slave to sin or whether you're going to be a son of God. I want to be a son of God. I want you to be a son of God. I want us all to be sons of God. But I can't make that choice for you. You have to make that choice yourself. Jesus goes on. He says, if the Son liberates you or makes you free men, then you're really and unquestionably free. Yes, I know that you're Abraham's offspring or his descendants. He said, but here you are. You're Abraham's offspring and descendants, and you're still planning to kill me. And he said, the reason you're planning to kill me is because my word makes no progress, doesn't find any place or have any entrance into you. That's what sin does. It stops the entrance of God's word. It blocks the door to our heart. Sin will keep God out. Sin will keep the presence of God out. Sin will keep the favor of God out. Sin will keep the power of God out. Sin will keep the authority that we get as a son of God. Sin will keep God out of our lives. And so that's what Jesus was saying here. He said, my word has no entrance and makes no progress and doesn't find any place in you. And then he says, I tell the things which I have seen and learned at my father's side and your actions also reflect what you have heard and learned from your father. What father is that? The devil. The devil. So Jesus was telling them, he was telling them, listen, I want you to be a son of God, not a slave to sin. That's what I want you to be. Sometimes we face spiritual resistance in our life 
because we have blatant or secret sin in our life and we think we're getting away with it, but really what we're doing is we're blocking God from gaining entrance into our life. So it's important for us to live holy. It's important for us to live pure. It's important for us to allow Him to make us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Spiritual warfare is serious. This is a spiritual thing that we're talking about here. And if we're going to go toe-to-toe against the enemy and try to gain the victory against the enemy of our soul, which is the seat of our mind and our will and our emotions, then what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to position ourselves to be recipients of the power of God into our lives. And if there is sin in the way, the power can't make entrance because our lives is too full of sin, are too full of sin. So we have to say, okay, God, forgive me of this sin. Forgive me for messing up. You say, well, pastor, you know, I just have this problem. I mean, I just keep, then, then keep, if you keep messing up, then keep asking him to help you. Say, Lord, forgive me. Help me, Lord. You say, well, I just think he's going to get tired of me. Now, this is the guy that said that we're supposed to forgive those that sin against us 470 times a day. And you think he's going to get tired of you coming to him, asking him to forgive you? No, no, no. You could ask him 470 times a day and you just reach the threshold of what he's asking us to do for each other. And that's per day. That's per day. So, so don't ever feel like you're bothering God. Don't ever feel like you're getting on his nerves. Don't ever feel like he's getting tired of you. No, he would rather you just come to him every 10 minutes if you have to until he helps you gain the victory over whatever that addiction is or wherever that problem is. And maybe through some good godly counseling and maybe through some good godly environments and stuff, that can assist and that can help. But the point is, is you're going to have to war against sin. We have to war against sin. The Bible said that we're not supposed to let sin reign inside of us. That means that we don't give sin the authority to rule our lives. So we got a war against that sin. And the way that we war against it is by just getting into the Word of God and using the weapons that God has given us and, and, and guarding our atmosphere and getting the sin out of the way so the power of God can make its way into the inner parts of our heart and into the inner parts of our life. And then when we stand against the enemy and resist him, then he'll flee from us because we have submitted ourselves to God. And that's what the scriptures say, isn't it? Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, the last thing that I want to talk to you about tonight, about spiritual resistance. We've talked about uh, needing to be more discerning and, uh, and, and a lack of faith. We've talked about the community uh, of faith or keeping the atmosphere right, community of faith versus community of unbelief. Uh, we talked about active sin and how that we need to uh, get that out of our lives. The last thing that I want to talk to you about tonight Sometimes we are facing spiritual resistance against the enemy because we are ignorant of Satan's devices. In other words, we are, uh, we are not schooled in the enemy's handbag of tricks, if you will. Because let me tell you something. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 2, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, to whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. 
And then he goes on in verse number 11 and said, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So in this whole passage of Scripture here, it's talking about forgiveness, and then it's also talking about not being ignorant of Satan's devices. So what this tells us in context is that the, one, of the, one of the primary things that the enemy will use against us in his handbag of tricks is unforgiveness. Let me tell you something. From now until the day that Jesus comes or the Lord calls you home, there are going to be people that do things against you, that say things against you, that don't treat you right. And you've got to make up your mind right now that I'm not going to let that affect my walk with God. You have to just say, you know what? I walk in forgiveness. I walk in forgiveness. Well, I've been church hurt. I've been church hurt. Well, join the club. Get the heck over it. <laughs> Grow up. Amen. You know? I mean, what does a little baby do? When a baby's running out here and he falls down and he scrapes his knee, he cries and cries and cries and cries. When you get to be about 20 years old and you fall down and scrape your knee, you might say, ow, but you're not going to lay there and wait for somebody to pick you up and cry and cry and cry and cry. No, you're going to get up and go get your own Band-Aid. <laughs> Hello? Hello? And that's how you know when somebody has matured spiritually. Sometimes we get wounded really bad and we need somebody to help us, but most of the time we can get our own Band-Aid. Most of the time we can get ourselves up and we can dust ourselves off. And see, the, what the enemy wants us to do is he wants us to lay there and wallow around in unforgiveness. He wants us to lay there and make excuses for reasons why we shouldn't get up. Make excuses for reasons why we shouldn't assemble with one another in the house of the Lord. Make excuses why we shouldn't pray. Make excuses why we shouldn't get in the Word of God. Well, you know, I just work so much, I just don't have time. I don't have time to read my Bible. Then get Bible.is app on your phone and push the play button when you're driving down the road on your way to work and let somebody else read it to you. In today's modern technology... In the technological society in which we live, there is absolutely no excuse that is good enough for us to not get enough word inside of us. It all comes back to the choices. Are we going to watch Moonshiners? Which is one of the best shows on television? My redneck roots are coming out. <laughs> are we going to spend some time in the Word? Now, fortunately for me, I don't have to make that choice because I can spend time in the Word and watch Moonshiners too, so it's okay. <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is quit making excuses for not getting enough Word. Quit making excuses for not praying enough. It's a trick of the enemy. It's a trick of the enemy in your life. Quit making excuses for not coming to spend time with, with your brothers and sisters assembling together in the house of the Lord. Quit making excuses. Quit making those excuses. We have to be, we have to be grown in the Lord. We have, to, we have to, there comes a time when, you know, that might have worked for the first year or two that you were serving God, but there comes a time when you've got to grow up into God. There comes a time when God wants to take you and make you a mentor, where God wants to make you an example, where God wants to use you to quit, just quit praying for yourself and actually start praying for someone else. Okay? So 
So one of the reasons that the enemy fights against us and, and actually makes progress is because we are ignorant of his devices. So one of the things is unforgiveness. And there's a lot of things that can happen and flow out of unforgiveness. Another trick that the enemy likes to use is negative talk. He likes to use, did you know that negative talk is the enemy to your faith? It's an enemy to your faith. So hang around people that are positive. Hang around people that are encouraging. Hang around people that are uplifting. Hang around people that believe in God and not only believe in God, but the God that, that they believe that that God's inside of you. Hang around people that believe in the calling of God upon your life, that believe that you can do it, that will strengthen you and pray with you and help you. And if you falter and fail and fall down, they're not going to make fun of you, turn their back away from you and walk off or run off, but they're going to reach down and they're going to pick you up and help you back up again, knowing that one of these days if you fall down, they'll turn around and pick you up and help you. So the enemy, negative talk, negative talk is in the enemy's handbag of tricks. Another thing that's in the enemy's handbag, and there's all kinds of them, but the Bible says we're not ignorant of Satan's devices, but another one is deception. Deception. The enemy will deceive you and cause you to see things differently than what the truth is or differently than what, how God wants you to see them. And so the enemy will take, and that spirit of deception, man, when a spirit of deception gets loose in a church, it can create a whole lot of chaos. And a lot of times the enemy does it in subtle ways. He moves in quietly. He sneaks around, you know. And I'm not talking about just church. I'm talking about your life, okay? I'm talking about your life. He'll sneak in. He, you know, the, very seldom does the enemy come in the front door. Very seldom. No, he tries to sneak in. You say, well, how does he sneak in? Well, he'll sneak in, you know, you'll, you'll start realizing that, you know, your attitude's not what it used to be. You know, or you'll start, you'll start realizing uh, that, that, you know, you're making decisions that are just kind of foreign to you. Why, why, would, I, why would I do something like that? Why, why would I be in a conversation with somebody and all of a sudden that come out of my mouth? You know, I mean, how many ever ever, you know, said something, want to reach out and grab it and pull it back? How many's ever done that? And you're like, why in the world did I do that? That's not who I am. That's not my character. Somehow the enemy got in there and he's, he's, he's trying to... And so that's why we have to keep ourselves full of God. That's why we have to keep ourselves full of the Word of God. And so the Bible said we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. We're not ignorant of his devices. The enemy will do anything and everything that he can. In fact, the Bible says that sometimes he even paints himself as an angel of light. I'll give you a great example. There are times in my life for years, and because I love good music and because I love good talent, there are times in my life that I have mistaken great talent for the anointing. It's, that's that's, that's a, a weakness of mine. If somebody can sing real good, if somebody can play music real good because I love it so much and because I'm a musician and because I'm a singer, you know, and you know what? I've gotten to the point now I've gotten to the point now where, ooh, Lord Jesus, help us have discernment. Help us have discernment. When we brought Josh in to be the youth pastor here, now you saw him tonight, but you know what? I've been talking to him for four months. Four months. And then I found out he was going to get married, and I said, okay, what we're going to have to do now? I mean, you're really going to marry this girl. We're going to have to bring her in first. We're going to have to see if she's going to fit too. Because this church ain't going to fall in love with you for three months and then you bring a rascal into your life. <laughs> we ain't going through that again. 
Hallelujah. We're not. We're not. We're not. Obviously, she came in and we all loved her dearly and all that. But, that, but that's, that's, that's how the enemy works. That's how the enemy works. He tries to figure, figure out a way to wiggle into your life. And that's why it's important for us to not be ignorant of Satan's devices. That's why it's important for us to know them which labor among us. That's why it's important for us to, to get to know somebody before we call them one of our closest friends. Everybody hold up your hand. Put them five fingers out. Every single person in this place has that many or less close friends. You say, well, I have a lot of friends. I have a lot of acquaintances. And I have a lot of people that I call them my friend. But my closest friend? There's one. There's one. My very closest friend. There's one. For 30 years, Wayne Keene, the pastor's in Carthage, Missouri now, has been my very closest friend. Besides Donna and God, of course. You understand. There's absolutely nothing that I cannot tell him. And there's nothing that he won't tell me. There are times, now listen, I'm, I'm just telling you, the enemy, the, the, and the reason I'm talking about this, and I'm, I'm, I'm winding down here, and we're, we're in just a couple, three minutes, we'll be done. But, but I'm telling you, the enemy gains entrance into your life by someone that shows up who has been there for three weeks, and all of a sudden, they're your BFF. BFF, some of you older folks, that means best friend forever. But the point, but the point, that, but, but the point that I'm trying to make is this is what the enemy does. He, he'll take somebody. He'll take somebody and insert them into your life. He'll insert them into your life, and before you know it, your, life, your, your world is just turned upside down. It's just turned upside down. And so it's very, very important, very, very important that we... Uh, remain discerning, and we do not become ignorant of Satan's devices. And always remember, he'll gain entrance into your life. He won't come through the front door. He'll try different ways to gain entrance into your life. Okay, has this helped you guys tonight? Okay, let's just recap just real quick like, okay? So uh, when we're talking about uh, spiritual resistance, uh, first of all, we've got... Uh, We've got to understand that if we're experiencing spiritual resistance, then maybe we're not discerning correctly. And we need to walk by faith a little more, okay? Secondly, uh, we have to have the right atmosphere, the atmosphere of faith instead of the atmosphere of unbelief. Number three, we uh, need to be careful about active sin. We've got to make sure that we try to keep active sin out of our life. We've got to make sure that we live holy and righteous and pure before the Lord to the best of our ability. And then the last thing is we cannot be ignorant of Satan's Devices, And we've got to understand, we, we, you know, it's not that we're in love with the devil or anything like that, but we need to study the way that he tries to attack us so we can counterattack and we can live in the offensive instead of always trying to live in the defense. Does that make sense? Amen. All right, let's all stand tonight. Come on. Thank you for joining us today on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www. Dot Suncoast 4, and that's the number 4, Jesus.tv. You may also write us 
at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Remember, the word will work if you work the word. <laughs>